Hey everyone, welcome. This is Lucas Granger, lead pastor of Coastal Church. It is our hope that you will find this podcast today challenging, inspiring, and practical as we seek to reach the world with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. You weren't here with us last week. Uh, we started and we were reading Ezekiel's chapters 40 through 47. And uh, you had some homework, and you were supposed to go home and read these chapters. And four or five people text me like, "Why do we have to read this at Christmas time? You're not supposed. We're supposed to be reading Matthew chapter one, and we're reading dimensions of a temple." Mm. But you did it, Tommy. You made it. You made it, buddy. I just call him out like that. So, Ezekiel chapter forty. Uh, there's this temple, and uh, it's been built, and Solomon has done a wonderful job. It's been destroyed. Uh, the Babylonians have come in. They've hauled the people off into exile. Ezekiel is given this vision. Now, he's given this vision from a person that is off in exile, and he has a vision of a new temple, a new area coming down. The Lord shows him. He gives him all of these dimensions on what it should look like, the size of the building, the size of the walls, the curbs, the gutters. I mean, everything is in these chapters of how God wants it done. And if you read these chapters this week, you'll find if you read some of the commentaries, there's two big opinions that people have about this portion of Scripture when it comes to Ezekiel's vision. They say that, well, all of this is kind of just a metaphor to what God wants to do, and, and, then, and that it has different applications of what it might mean in the future. And a lot of people say, hey, well, look at the vision that John has at the end of the book of Revelations. There's a lot of similarities to this new temple and that new temple. There's some differences. Maybe that's what it's talking about. And then other people say, well, it's not a metaphor at all. It, it, it's physically going to happen. There's going to be a physical building, and all these things are going to come down, and people are waiting for it. And so you have these people arguing about whether or not this is just a, a, a metaphor or whether it's a physical temple that is going to happen into the future. And, and if you're listening to all these arguments and you have people that are very passionate on, on both sides of saying, well, well, this is how it's going to be and this is, and this is why it should be this way. And, and if you heard someone talking, you're just sitting there like, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really sure. I mean, which one? I, I don't know. And have you ever had that moment? Or maybe you've been in a church service or you've been in college and the professor is talking and they're talking about stuff that's kind of way above your pay grade, but you're just kind of saying, well, amen. I have no clue what that dude was talking about, but everybody else said amen. And so I'll say amen. What, you know, what'd you learn today? I have no idea. Like you leave the class, the, the, the professor has done his whole spiel. You know the dude is brilliant, but you've left and you're like, uh, yeah, that was really good, yeah. And so the thing is, like, we want people to believe that like we're smarter than we are, right? And, and so we just kind of go along with it. We go along with, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All the while, we have no clue what we're talking about. We have no clue what we're here. We just want you to think that. We understood. We want to appear smarter than we are. Now, my wife tells me I don't have that problem. She's like, Lucas, like, please, like, just settle it down. For example, the other day, 
I think we were with Tim and Kathy and some friends. This happened twice, so I, don't, I might get the stories mixed up. But uh, my daughters were asking these questions, and some, somehow the topic came up of what's the difference between a dolphin and a porpoise? And then later on, the question was, well, what's the difference between an alligator and a crocodile? And we're like, I don't know, you know? And so what do you do when you don't know something? You ask Alexa. And so we ask Alexa, what's the difference? And so Alexa tells us, well, the, the dolphin has an elongated nose and, and the crocodile. And so my kids are all like, hmm. And so I say, so you're basically telling me that the dolphin's like, his nose is all hoi goi. And I start going into this whole voice of like, oh, my dolphin, And I do this in front of Tim and Kathy, and Devin's like, it's one thing to do it when we're alone. But at least let other people think you're smart. And I'm like, oh, my dolphin, and just like doing all these things, and my kids are rolling on the ground laughing. And I really, I don't, you know, I don't need to appear smarter. I tell you, I don't know how to spell half of these words. And it doesn't take long, but there's this thing inside of us that, man, we just want people to believe that we're smart. Like right now in 2020, everybody became a medical expert. You think you know what you're talking about, right? You have no clue. But you heard something and you saw some post on Facebook and now you know how to fix everything. Like every one of us are political geniuses. We could all fix the country. Every one of us are medical experts. We know how to get rid of it. Like all of this stuff because we don't want to admit, well, like I'm not exactly sure. And when you read the scriptures, sometimes there's moments like this where you're like, I, I don't really know if I quite understand. Is it a metaphor? Is it something else? And, and the disciples had the same problem because Jesus would tell parables and he would tell stories, and the disciples would be in the crowd like, yeah, yeah, Jesus, you're awesome. And then the crowd would leave, and the disciples would be like, hey, Jesus, what are you talking about? Was that about me? Were you talking about the Pharisees? Could you interpret that? Because they didn't even know, which is great comfort to me, because it's just even Jesus trying to tell people things. And, and, and we read this, and we're looking at Ezekiel, and there's super smart people telling us, well, well how's it going to be? And, and I look at it, and I say, well, why can't it be both? I mean, isn't that the very nature of a metaphor? That God is trying to show us some kind of spiritual truth, and he's using things that we could relate to in the natural to say, hey, I want you to understand something. Here's some things in the natural to help you understand this. Well, at the same time, I could really do it. So, for example, like the prodigal son, the lost sheep, the lost coins. Is it too much to think that like, there actually could have been a prodigal son a boy, I, I know Jesus tells the story, but there was a boy who left the house and did crazy stuff. Is that too hard to imagine? <laughs> or that meant also, I've been that prodigal, even when I didn't leave. You have been. We've all been. Could it be that Jesus is doing something? Could it be that there's both, that there's a literal and a spiritual interpretation of this? And see, the problem with that is this word literal. Because the way we use literal is we define what's literal by what we could feel and touch and taste and sense. And this is real because it's right here. When the things that we call real, Jesus would actually say, well, all that's temporary. All, all these things that you call just this life, actually, that's the fake stuff. There's something that, well, you call spiritual that I call even more real than what you know. Which, think about how that changes things. 
Think about how Jesus has to then communicate with us on how to, to say, listen, I, I know all of these things that, that you think are so real. There's something more out there. And so let me tell you stories. Let me give you pictures of a temple. Let me, let me show you things. Let me talk about sheeps and coins and sons. And let me talk about things to illustrate something, that there's more to this life than what you could just touch and taste and see and smell. And, and we live as if this is all there is. And so I say, why not both? Why, why can't God heal your body and your soul? Because what, what is more difficult, to say to this man that your sins are forgiven or to rise up and walk? Which is a great question because the answer to that question is they're both impossible. I can't do either one. It takes you, Jesus. And so if you do either one of them, you could do both of them because I am deficient in both of these questions. And so, God, why can't you heal my body? Why can't you heal my soul? And so there's a thing, like when we read these scriptures, it's kind of a two-sided coin in the sense of, man, yeah, they're words on a page. Some, some printer printed these words, and there's inks, and it's just a page. And it is, it's a book. And at the same time, it's alive. And at the same time, there's life in this thing, and there's hope in this thing. And there's times where I read it, and I just, whoo, that's more than just a word on a page. Jesus, that's you. Jesus, you're speaking to me. You're saying something to me. You're doing something to me. It, it's literal. It's, it's figurative. It's spiritual. It's, it's all of this all wrapped into one. Jesus, you're doing something. And so we're reading these scriptures, and, and just keep that in mind, because I want to read a few things of what I think the Lord is saying for us this morning. The first one I'm going to read is out of Ezekiel chapter 44, um, beginning with verse 5. We're going to read 5 and 6, Ezekiel 44, 5 and 6. And the Lord said to me, Son of man, take careful notice. Now he said this again in earlier in chapter 40, like pay attention. So hear the Lord saying again, pay attention. Whatever I'm about to tell you, this is important. Catch this. Use your eyes and your ears and listen to everything that I tell you about the regulations concerning the temple. Take careful note of the procedures for using the temple's entrances and the temple's exits. Kind of weird, right? Like God saying, listen, take very special notice of where you enter. Take very special notice of where you exit. Now, he begins to talk about the temple, and we're going to go over to chapter 46, beginning in verse 8, where he begins to talk about the entrance. And it says this, The prince must enter the gateway through the entry room, and he must leave the same way. But when, when the people come in through the north gateway to worship the Lord during the religious festivals, they must leave by the south gateway. So if you came in by the north, leave by the south. And those who entered through the south gate must now leave through the north gateway. They must never leave by the same gateway that they came in. But they must also, they must always use the opposite gateway. The prince will enter and leave with the people on these occasions. So take special note, understand your entrances, understand your exits. When you enter, when you enter this place, you've got to leave by the opposite way. Last one in now chapter 48. We get to the very end of Ezekiel's vision and the very end of this book. And the last thing is, again, something about the entrances and the exits. Now, these will be the exits to the city. On the north wall, which is one and a half miles long, there will be three gates, 
each one named after a tribe of Israel. The first will be named Reuben, the second Judah, the third Levi. On the east wall, also a mile and a half long, the gate will be named Joseph, Benjamin, and Dan. The south wall, also a mile and a half long. These gates will be named Simeon, Issachar, and Zebulun. And on the west wall, also a mile and a half long, these gates will be named Gad, Asher, and Natali. The distance around the entire city, so visualize it, uh, a square, uh, one and a half miles east long, and on each, each side, there's three gates and the names of each one of these 12 tribes of Judah. The distance around the entire city will be six miles, and from that day, the name of the city will be this, the Lord is here. The Lord is here. So this is a vision. This is a picture. Things have changed. Now you have a people that are obeying the laws of God. You have priests that are obeying and serving uh, God in the way that he desires. You have a, um, a whole nation that is loyal to God. And in this vision, it says, listen, we shall now call this place the Lord is here. Now, I don't know about you, but God, wherever you are, that's where I want to be. Wherever you're at, that is where I want to be. God, I want to know what are you doing and how can I join in with it? If you're doing something, I want to be a part of it. So there's this pattern throughout scriptures. And in this pattern, every time we see God drawing close to us, time and time again, I will be their God, they will be my people, I will dwell among them. If you look at this, you see this phrase over and over. You look at the patterns throughout the scripture, and every time you see God drawing close to us, from, from Genesis to where he made Adam and he came close and he formed man, uh, we see him coming in a tabernacle. We see him coming in a temple. We see him coming in the birth of Christ as he steps out of heaven and into humanity. We see him again in Revelations coming back for his people. Each time, God is coming close to us. Every single time to say this, God knows how to make an entrance. God knows how to enter the room. God knows how to enter the space in our life that we need. And the very fact that he enters the room at all is simply amazing. The very fact that he left heaven and came and died on the cross for us is amazing. I mean, if you just take the time to let that sink in, that the creator came, took on the form of a man, his creation, lived among us. I mean, I got to be honest. If I was God, there's no way. I would be like, I'm killing all y'all and starting over. <laughs> and you would too. I mean, think about it. Like, God so loved the world. He could have just been like, all right, Adam 2.0, Adam 3, well, got that one wrong again. I mean, isn't that how we are? I mean, in, in our society, in our culture, like if, if my house, if something breaks, the odds of me like fixing it are very slim. If that TV breaks on the wall, we're getting a new one because I can't fix it for the price of getting a new one. And I'm like, look at the price that was paid for us. Jesus, like, psh, we're going to start all over. We're going to start all over. And, and, and I think about that, God, that you would enter the room at all. And, and I think about, again, in my house, 
the things that I would really want to fix. See, if the TV breaks, I'm throwing it out. But there's certain items in my home that I've made with my hands. And those items that I've put blood, sweat, and tears into, we have a few furniture pieces and things that I've, I've made. And if something goes wrong with those, I'm going to fix it. No, 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 baby, we ain't throwing that out, girl. I could sand it. I could plane it. I could glue it. I could tape it. But that thing ain't going in the trash because I've put my hands to it. And it's special to me. So I want to do everything I can. And then I think about my children. And I think if the choice was between their life and my life, I would lay my life down in a moment. Not a second thought. Because they're blood of my blood, flesh of my flesh, and I love them so much. There's no way I'd want to start over. So I understand when I read John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he would enter this room, that he would enter this space because of his great love for us. The very fact that you entered it all, God, it's simply amazing. The fact that he came close, he entered. Now the psalmist says this. He says, listen, I enter your gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I enter your courts with praise. You'll, have anybody heard that psalm? It's a good one. And I thought about that psalm, and I'm like, you did that day, but you didn't every day. Because I read some of his other psalms. Some of his other psalms, he started off really angry. Some of the other psalms, he started off really broken and really hurt. I see somebody entered this morning, and you didn't enter with thanksgiving. You entered, I'm just tired. Some of you just entered, I'm just broken. Some of you entered angry. Some of you entered, I'm just on my last string. And God, I'm entering your courts. And I wish I could say that today was the day of Thanksgiving on my lips. But today is the day of, God, I just need you to draw close. Today is, I just don't, I'm just trying not to quit. Today is the day that I come in, I'm broken, and I'm hurting, and Jesus, I need you. And if you're there, I want to be there. And, and God, I just, I, just, I just enter in. And do you know those people, like, some of them, they just wake up in the morning, and they're just so happy. They're just, like my daughter, Reese, I promise you, she is the happiest person in this entire world. Every day of her entire six years of being, she has woken up happy. I mean, she wakes up just, hey, Dad, good morning. I mean, sometimes she sneaks into the room and just stares at me. I'm still asleep. I will open up my eyes and say, you're awake because you're breathing your hot breath on my face, daughter. And she's just so happy, like, Dad, can we go play? Let's ride bikes. And I'm like, it's 6 in the morning. And she's just so happy. And then I roll over, and I look at her mom, and her mom's like, good morning. <laughs> yeah. What just happened? Entered with Thanksgiving. Come on, Thanksgiving. Something. Right? Like, some of y'all are just like morning Mr. Rogers happy. Like, it's a beautiful day. And I'm like, you better drink some coffee first for some of y'all. Because, you know, there's a reason why we serve it. All of this. Some of you, 
30 seconds before you walked in the door, you had a fight in your car. And all of a sudden, like, hold on. See, how we enter a place matters. Take careful note of the entrances and the exits. Take careful note of how you enter a room. Have you ever stopped to think how you enter a place? See, because when you walk through those doors, you've brought everything with you. And sometimes we've got to be careful because sometimes we'll enter doors and we've already made up our mind of how this day is going to go. Sometimes we enter through Walmart doors and it's just keep your head down. Just don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. Which line is the shortest? Take note of the entrances. Take note of the most important entrance of all time. When Jesus came in this time that we call Christmas. And it's amazing because he didn't come in a cloud. He didn't come in a fire. He didn't come in a booming voice in the sky. He came in the most unlikely way of all, in one of the most unlikely times at all, through a girl who, well, nobody really knew, in a town that wasn't the hot spot, born in a manger. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm the king of kings, and I'm the Lord of lords, I'm like, Jesus, I'm going to make a little bit better entrance than that. I'm going to come in and I'm going to have swords. You know, I'm going to come in. There's that whole army of millions of angels and stuff. Like the world's going to know I came up in this place. And Jesus is like, no, I'm going to use Mary. And, And he shows up and he makes this entrance. And it's not the entrance that we would think. Because I think some of us, I think for thousands of years, like everyone back then in Jesus' time, there was this idea of what a king should look like and what a conqueror should look like. And and he should have this certain idea. And and the very fact that oftentimes when they looked at Jesus, he was just normal. He was so normal that Judas had to point him out when he was arrested. And sometimes we just think Jesus is hovering two feet above the ground. and, and, And Jesus came. And I think if we're not careful, when we think about Jesus... We have more hopes for a magician than we do a savior. Now let that sink in, because that's really hard swill to po- hard pill to swallow. Because like, is, isn't that even what the Pharisees did? Just, just show us another trick. Like, just show us another sign. Show us another wonders. Prove to us that you're God. And Jesus is like, you just don't get it. I've, I've already given you so many signs. So thank God that Jesus gives us what we need, not just what we want. Like he knew exactly what we need. Jesus entered the room. And here's this thing. When we enter rooms, there's this instant association, whether we realize it or not. So when you enter a place, now all of a sudden, there's things that people make assumptions about, well, now they've entered that room. Oh, what was pastor doing walking in the bar? Oh, did you see her? I saw her at the club the other night. I saw her going through those doors. Uh Uh-huh, I know what she was doing. Some of you this morning, just coming to church. You're going to talk to one of your friends later. You went to where? 
you went to church? Because there's an association through the doors that we enter. And this is why the Pharisees had such a hard time with Jesus. Because he entered through doors that he shouldn't enter in. He hung out and ate dinner with tax collectors and so-called, well, sinners. And there's so much irony to this that people didn't want to hang out with Jesus because they said that he was a friend of sinners, which is like, you're the sinner? <laughs> like, Jesus would never be able to hang out with anybody. He's like, that's all I do is hang out with sinners. You are the biggest one of all. And, and, and they have this against Jesus. I'm like, Jesus, like, like, I enter into doors, I enter into places that you think are off limits, which begs the question, are there any rooms that you've been avoiding? Are there any people that you have been avoiding? Is there any fear of association that you've been avo- avoiding? Is there places that God's calling you to enter, you, but you've been saying no? Pay t- special attention of the entrances and maybe it isn't just the association. Maybe it's because, well, God, if I go to that place, it's, it's such a long journey. Or the difficulties involved with doing that thing that you're telling me to do. Or maybe it's just sheer fear. If I walk through that door, God, I, I just don't know. And Jesus enters the room and he breaks all the rules. And, and there's this script that says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And again, why can't it be both? Why can't there literally be a door where Jesus is like, hey, sure would like to come in. And also the door to your heart to say, Lucas, are you going to let me in that door? And I think it's, there's so much to this because just as we enter through doors and there's an association, have you ever thought about how we ruin Jesus' reputation? The very fact that he's standing at your door, the very fact that he's willing to be associated with you. See, we talk about our association with Jesus, but have you ever thought about his association with us? See, the very fact that Jesus loves us is like, you're slumming it. That you love me, you are perfect, and you are holy, and you are righteous, and you stand at my door and knock, and you are willing to come into my house and dine with me and eat with me, Jesus, this is mind-blowing that you would enter the room at all. Because, God, we, we ruin your reputation. He enters in, and, and here in Ezekiel, there's, there's all of these blueprints. And in the midst of this, then he enters. In Acts, there's a prayer meeting. Prayer meeting. He enters. In, in, in Genesis, the earth is formless and void. And he enters. He enters these spaces that are unlikely times, unlikely places. And when he was born, it was actually during a time of genocide when they were going out and they were killing all the young babies. And Jesus enters into that space. And so for those of you this morning that you look out to our current state and we say things have gotten so bad. Things, I don't, I don't know how, all the things that are happening, the racial tension and all the things that are going on with, with uh, political agendas and all these things that are happening and then the virus. things like That's just the space that Jesus likes to enter in. It's like when we say, oh, it's so bad and it's hopeless, and Jesus is like, now you're ready for me. Chris said something to me years ago that he was working on the song, and there's a line in the song that says this, at the end of me... I find you. 
And it's, that has just stuck with me for so many years to just think, okay, God, when I get to that place where this is impossible, now you're ready for me. Okay, God, it's yours. Pay attention to the entrances. Pay attention to the exits. God loves to enter into these spaces. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. And we get to the end here where Ezekiel's had this vision and God told us to pay his attention. He says, listen, there's north gates and there's south gates and there's east and west. And whichever gate you go through, make sure you leave by the opposite. And, and, and then he ends the book with this. Understand that on each side, there's these entrances to this place. And each one of them is a different name. And these are from the 12 tribes of Israel. So, so, so each one of these You've got to enter in through one of these doors. And understand, people of Israel, this is where you came from. Abraham had Isaac, and Isaac had Jacob, and Jacob, these, these 12 sons, and these 12 sons is this nation that we call Israel, and this is, this, is the, this is the family that we as Gentiles get grafted into. And, and, and Jesus' birth line from this, and understand, no matter where you're coming from, you've got to enter in from one of these doors. Understand, no matter where you're coming from, you can enter in. I don't care if your history was perfect and you wake up every morning singing Mr. Rogers songs, you still got to come in. I don't care if you woke up with needle marks in your arms this morning. You just had to come in through another entrance. Every one of us are invited in. And there's a name over each one, each tribe. And it doesn't matter what tribe you're from. It doesn't matter if you're black. It doesn't matter if you're white. It doesn't matter if you're Republican. It doesn't matter if you're Democrat. It doesn't matter if you're male. It doesn't matter if you're female. It doesn't matter if you interpret it this way. It doesn't matter if you interpret it. You've all got to enter in. But then there's something important that happens. And I'm asking everyone to please stand to their feet. Because this is very, very important says, understand the laws of the temple. No matter how you enter in, no matter what gate you came from, no matter what your background, no matter what your history, make sure you leave in the opposite direction. Make sure you don't leave the same way you came in. Make sure that, listen, because what happens inside the temple, the, the sacrifice, the very fact that God comes and fills this place, when God fills the room, you can't leave the same. When we come and we worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords, you can't help but leave different. It doesn't matter. Listen, your problems are still going to be there. But now I could face them because, you know what? I came in through the south side, but I'm leaving through the north side. I came in through one door, but I'm leaving through another door. And that door, God, whatever it is. As a matter of fact, what we're going to do here in a few moments is we're going to open up all of these doors. And I'm going to encourage everyone, listen, you can go out in the hallway first and grab your gift. Don't forget that thing. But then leave out of a different door. Don't leave through the same door you came in. And some of you might need to leave, and you might have to walk the long way around. And it might be pouring rain by the time we end. But that's the Christian life. Is it a metaphor or is it literal? Maybe it's both. Maybe you literally need to walk out of a different door this morning 
to remind yourself when you walk back into a space that looks the same, uh uh-uh, something happened inside the temple. The Lord is there. And when the Lord is there, and when he knocks on this door, and when he makes this entrance, there's an exit that I now have to do, that I'm going into the world, and God, I have you. And if I have you, I have everything. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you would like to explore more resources just like this, take a moment and download the Coastal Church app. Also, if you would like to give financially to support the ministry here at Coastal, go to mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. God bless and have a wonderful week.